Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. So uh, uh, my wife, man, she just pointed out something to me, and now I can't unsee it. So some of you may have to do the same thing. But when Alex was speaking, she's like, I don't think he ever blinks. And uh, I was like looking at it, and I'm like, that last section, he blinked one time. And I'm like, so I'm concerned for him, okay? So we're going to have him check that afterwards. But if you didn't notice, now you're going to notice every time, I think, you know, so. Um, it's good to be back with you this morning. I have to tell you that I had a uh, tough week. Um, my wife decided to go on vacation um, with a bunch of little kids to D.C., um, you know, so they did a middle school trip, and so I called it a vacation. Um, I don't think it was, but man, I, I guess I have realized how much my wife does and helps, and I'm like, to keep track of schedules and everything else, man, I failed miserably this week, okay? So by the grace of God, he's given me a great wife to just uh, just help me out in so many ways. I do want to make a couple announcements before we get in the message today. And uh, there's two things. First of all, men, we have started to try to do some ministries within the church. And um, I really think it's, especially in our culture, in our day and age, that men need to start making sure that we are um, a source of encouragement and a source of leadership within our own families. And I think it's time that the world sees men involved in either small groups, church, or whatever, so they understand that Christ is not this girly thing, but it's a manly thing as well. And so we have some things that uh, Steve Hunt's been putting together. Uh, June 24th, we have this event called Battle Scars. We're having Stan Seaver come in, who um, shared with us a couple years ago on Easter. And man, his testimony is powerful. But I think the testimony that we share and what we're going through in each other's lives is extremely important. So I would ask that you really consider being there on the 24th. There's a sign-up sheet out there. It's going to be from 9 to noon. And I would, invite, I would ask you to invite other guys you know. Because I think this is going to be just one of those one powerful moments. The other thing I need to mention is if you're a member of the church, we do have elections going on out there. So make sure you get your ballots and fill those out. And, and be prayerful over who the board and some of our delegates are to our conferences as well. If you have your Bibles this week, or today, not this week, today, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 8. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 26 through 40. Uh, One of the other things that happened this week is a, um, oh, one of my best friends in high school, his father uh, passed away this week, Roger Hensel. And uh, some of you may know that name, some of you may not. Uh, He used to own um, the root beer stand in town. Others of you will know him just as this great golfer. Um, I just knew him as a kind of cool dad uh, that was funny, and uh, I told my, uh, it's funny because um, uh, Roger and Karen, and Karen's here actually, the service right now, but they have uh, three sons, and the two sons played a lot of golf. Uh, the one son did not. I made friends with the one son that did not. So I was upset because I think I could have got some really valuable lessons had I been around uh, Roger more frequently. Uh, but I, it, it just got me to thinking back to uh, my friendship with Chad because I said, it's funny how you can grow up in that same community, you can grow up around the same people and not really know somebody, I mean, within the same school system. And it wasn't until I was a junior in high school that Chad and I met, and within the next two years, he became really one of my, one of my uh, closest friends. 
And uh, so uh, as we were thinking back and as we were talking, uh, uh, I would say Chad left a mark on me in many ways. But physically, he left a mark on me on my forehead that from time to time uh, I'll point out because uh, we were in an accident together uh, that he was driving in. And so every once in a while I used to go, oh, Chad, it hurts so bad. So can you buy me something, you know, and uh, <laughs> those type of things. Uh, but the, the thing I thought was interesting is uh, we were, um, I don't know if we were juniors or seniors in high school, but we were in a speech class. And, um, and so this is what's crazy about the story. First of all, Chad was more studious than I was, okay? I just like to go to the school to have a good time. He, he was very, very smart. Uh, but uh, when we are in speech class together, we had to go and do some research. I don't know if it's for debate or speech, but uh, we had to go to the library, which, again, if you would have known me back then, me going to the library would have been a miracle in itself, okay? So I just want you to know that I normally didn't go to the library. Uh, Chad always had this convertible, and I think it was a Mustang. It was kind of one of those black cars. I think it had a white top on it. And usually that's what we drove around in. But that day, he just had a bigger truck that he had. And my brother Ken and I, uh, we were both going with Chad, which again is a miracle because my brother Ken probably maybe not knew where the library was, but he was going with us as well, you know? So we all went to the library together. And I think my mom or dad or somebody said, uh, hey, you know, just make sure you're back within a couple minutes. Ha, ha, ha. We all laughed, you know, give that polite kid laugh to your parents and that type of stuff. So um, we went on the road. It was a little rainy that day. And for whatever reason, I think uh, we hit some patch of, of water and uh, we hydroplaned and we went in one ditch, out another ditch, and then the truck flipped over. And we landed uh, upside down. And um, the most amazing thing to me was this. Um, it was kind of that time period when you have snow and you don't have snow. And there was this one patch of snow that was nowhere other on the road, but right there. And that's exactly where we landed at, at that time. And again, we never drove his truck. We always drove the convertible. And if we would have been in that convertible, it would have been a way different story. Uh, so we landed in the only patch. Now, um, afterwards, uh, we got out of the, uh, uh, the car and we had to crawl up the windows and, and up. And we were laughing later because my brother, Ken, initially he told the story like, yeah, I had to bust out the window and had to help you guys get out. And we're like, that didn't happen at all. Like, we just... You know, so I don't know if he had some kind of shock in the whole thing. Uh, but we climbed out and, and sort of up the bank. And uh, that's where I got this, this cut on my forehead. And, uh, and if you know Chad and I's relationship, we just, we were always joking around. Well, we, by the way, we were only two minutes away from home when we wrecked. So the joke about my parents saying, be home in a couple minutes was pretty much true. All right. So uh, they called the ambulance out there. They came and got us. And uh, as they were getting us, uh, it was just, it was, it was kind of comical to us um, because like when I looked at my, I had my letter jacket, which I was very proud of. And my letter jacket had all this blood on it, you know, and I didn't know because it was raining. And I looked at those guys, I said, how are you guys doing? And they're like, we're doing okay. And they're like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm fine. What are you guys talking about? And they're like, you're bleeding a lot. You know, and so then I remember touching my head and being like, you know how like now you're in panic, you know, because you see the blood and stuff like you didn't notice it before. But I mean, I was just like, uh, what's going on? So I realized I was okay. There was blood on my jacket. Um, they put us in the uh, ambulance and they made Chad go in as well because his parents weren't there. And I don't know what I was doing. I was just trying to button my shirt for some reason. So excuse me for a minute. I don't, 
I don't, I don't even know what that was about. Like, let me just change in front of you why I'm telling a story here today. So I digress. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, um, when we got out of this, uh, when they were putting us in the ambulance, Chad, uh, they were like, uh, sir, you know, make sure you're taking it easy and all this stuff. And, and they were just like, you know, want to make sure he was okay. I mean, there was nothing wrong with Chad, you know, physically. I mean, mentally he had some issues, you know. But uh, so anyway, so he started, it was funny to me because he started to lay down in the ambulance. And he popped right back up and he's like, is that too fast for you? You know, and, uh, and so it was very comical. I started going off on him. I'm like, you got blood all over my jacket, you punk. You know, like, oh, when we're out of here, I'm going to do this and this to you. And we were joking around so much that they wanted to check us for alcohol because uh, <laughs> they thought we were drunk <laughs> from what was going on. So anyway, so we have this sort of, this, uh, this great story. But the miracle in the whole thing to me is still this. That, again, we could have been driving his, his convertible, and the story would have been completely different. We could have landed somewhere else that day. We could have hit a pole, could have hit other things, but we landed in that patch that day. And I thought to myself, even in the midst of tragedy, God's hand of protection was on us in that moment, telling us that God still had a work for us to do. And I thought in my life, like, and I think if, if all of us, you know, could share our stories, there's probably a moment in time when you were at the right place at the right time. I'm always amazed when people will take photos of certain things and they're probably taking a picture of one thing, but all of a sudden something else just jumps in the way and they got that, that classic picture just because they were at the right place at the right time. Some of you have been at certain sporting events where something amazing happened in that game that day and you saw it and you were right there and you were an eyewitness to what happened because you were at the right place at the right time. But it seems to me that there's many moments that if we took a look around, that we've probably been in the right place at the right time, and it became a bigger moment. For most people, it may not be that big a deal. But there's those moments when, um, man, my kid, my Isaac, he handed me something the other day, a, a prayer that he had made when he was at church, and he handed that to me. And I remember thinking to myself, that is powerful. And I'm glad I got to see that at this moment and this day, because that's what I needed. There's a time when you're standing in a right situation and you see somebody go out and reach out to somebody and they were at the right place at the right time. There may be in a tragedy that you have actually witnessed or experienced or gone through in life and God has positioned somebody at that moment to share with you or to love you or to just be present and that made a huge difference. There have been other times, and it can be just as simple as you're going through some of the, the drudge of life, and it's sort of a depressing time, and then for whatever reason, you'll be sitting near the car, and it looks like this cloudy, dark day, and the sun will come through in such a way that it'll just hit you, and it'll give you a glimpse of God, and you know that you're at the right place at the right time, and God's grace is shining on you. The story we're looking at today is one about Philip. And Philip was in the right place at the right time to do a huge work of God. And so let's read this together in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kadak, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. 
the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its sharer in silence. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing Philip, however, appeared as Astos and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for moments in which there's a glimpse of you that is such a glimpse, but in that moment it's just so powerful. We think about Elijah who it said that when he was sitting in the cave, he felt the very breath of you or the gentle whisper that you provided. And in that moment, he felt such power and he felt so much glory in you that it says he became very zealous for the Lord and continued to do your work at a depressive time in his own life. Father, I pray if there's anybody of us here today that are going through a situation and we just need to see a glimpse of you, may we do so. But I pray that for all of us, that we would have that opportunity to be present in somebody else's life that we would go where you want us to go, that we will be who you want us to be, and that, Father, through your grace and your love and the work of the Holy Spirit, that we will touch a life around us. I pray today that if there's anything that I would get wrong in the Scripture, I pray that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that the only voice today we hear is yours. In your name we pray. Amen. So it's interesting in this passage to me, and it's, it's one of those passages that I've read over and over, and we've been talking about turning points, and I want to give you sort of the end of this as we look at the beginning. But we know from records that in Ethiopia that there began this big movement of Christianity, and it was around this time. So we think whatever this Ethiopian eunuch experienced in this moment made such a difference that he was able to take that gospel back, and it began to touch a world as well. What I want you and I to know as we're reading this passage today, you may not think that you have like this big influence, but if you can just influence one person, that person may have a big influence, and then you spoke into that as well. I think about the men who were praying in, in Carolinas back in the day, and they were praying that God would raise up a leader that would just be able to evangelize and to, and to take the country by storm. And out of that, we realized Billy Graham came out of that. Like that's pretty powerful. And so I'm praying that all of us will kind of see this in our own life. But what I want you to understand is this, and, and, and foremost, that God has given you a position in life. He's given you a position in life. Now, some of you will look and say, well, I'm not the pastor. I'm not standing up front or speaking, and that may be true. For some of you, you'd say, well, I'm not the person leading worship, and I don't get to interject from time to time, and that may be true. But not every one of us can be a pastor. Not every one of us can be a singer. 
Not every one of us can be a parent. Not every one of us can be a teacher. But God has put everybody in unique situations so that you can speak into those people at that time. And you've got to realize, like, it's not a degrading responsibility that you have. Don't, remember, the Bible says don't covet. I was reading this in my devotions today. It says don't covet somebody else's position. In other words, understand that you're where God needs you to be, and you need to pour into those people that you're pouring into. If you're a supervisor, pour into your people. If you're a mom or dad, pour into your kids. If you have no kids, but you're married, pour into your spouse. If you are in a workplace, pour into that workplace. Understand that you are in a position that you can make a difference. When the world is responding one way, we can show the world how Christians respond differently. Tragedies come, let's handle it like a Christian. Things not going my way today, let's handle it like a Christian. We feel attacked Let's handle it like a Christian. Let's show love and respect in all of our situations and understand that in our position, we are able to speak even through actions more than words. Like God has put you in that position in that time for a purpose. I think back to this passage of Scripture, and if you go onto it, what's crazy is there's, there's two characters we read about in this sort of setting. There's Philip, who preached the good news of Jesus, and then there's Stephen. Now, you may remember the story of Stephen. Stephen got out there and he preached this amazing gospel to people. He preached the word of God. And the religious leaders did not like it. And at the end of all the truth that he gave, doing God's work, guess how he was rewarded? It says that the men, they said they began to grit their teeth. It says gnash their teeth. In other words, grind it so much that you could almost hear it going back. And they were filled with such hatred towards Stephen and what he was preaching that they literally picked up rocks and they began to throw them at him, beating him to death. And in the midst of all this, what I'm amazed is that the glory of God shone in such a way that Stephen said, I looked up and I saw heaven. Like that's powerful. But in the midst of all that, guess who was there? A man named Saul. We know him to be Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. Paul was going after Christians. He was filled with sort of this hatred as well. But I think there was something in that moment that day when he saw the brutality of men throwing stones at somebody that stuck with them. I've been around people that have died, and that's hard to be around. But I've never been around a brutal attack like that. And I think that has to do something to you. I had a kid in my youth group once who saw their dad kill their mom. That's a thing you can't get over. Saul was there when they stoned Stephen. Jesus comes back later to him. Remember when he meets him and he says to him what? He says, why do you keep persecuting my people? He went back to the one thing that Stephen saw. And Jesus got a hold of Saul. He became Paul, and he began to write the New Testament. So where you and I may see Stephen's death as tragic, which it was, it made a difference in someone's life that we're able to be changed for it as well. Stephen had a position to where he just shared the word and was killed for it. But it made a huge difference. See, the situation that God has put you in is valuable. And though you may be attacked, and though you may feel like you've been stoned at some point in your life, 
The way you respond can make a huge difference within the life of someone else. The way you handle death, the way you handle success, all that. You see, we've seen people be very successful and be very prideful in it. But what would it look like for a Christian to be successful and be humble in that moment? Isn't that powerful? One of my, one of the, my, uh, <laughs> the pastors I served under, uh, Pastor Dave Holdren, who some of you guys know, he was a couple pastors before me. I still consider him my mentor today. But what I love about Pastor Dave is Pastor Dave was the general superintendent of the Western Church, which is the highest position you can have in the church. He gave it up because his son-in-law committed suicide and he wanted to be around his family. When Pastor Dave, when he introduced himself, he didn't introduce himself as a former general superintendent. It was just Dave. When Pastor Dave would take us as a staff to different places, and I've been with pastors who don't have any time for you when they're in certain settings, and I always thought it was interesting to me, everyone wanted to be around Pastor Dave because he was a general superintendent. And Pastor Dave would spend time with Chuck, who was a nobody. Matter of fact, I, I thought it was interesting when Pastor, first, when Pastor Dave first came here, he would ring me in his office and say, Chuck, I want you to tell me about the people. I want you to tell me how you think we should do ministry and all this. And I was like, are you kidding me? Dude, you were a general superintendent. Like, you had a church of 1,700. Like, you don't need any advice from me. But in his humility, he respected the decisions of other people as well and the input that they can give. People need to see that from us. And our position, whether we value it as great or small, still can make a big difference in the lives of people around us. Philip, we read in verse 26, and I want you to know this. Philip had a position of availability. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I thought it was interesting because he has the angel of the Lord that comes to him. He says, Philip, I want you to go here. Doesn't give him a reason. He says, I just want you to go. And Philip's like, okay. I mean, I can't imagine that doing to, that to my wife. Hey, hon, um, sorry, angel of the Lord just came to me. I can't be here tonight. You know, I think she's going to have some questions. You know, and I think I might have to do some convincing. Philip just hears like this word of the Lord. And he says, okay, you want me to go to God? Okay, I'll go there. And that's not even an area that he would normally go to. Matter of fact, it's an area that they would have evolved, uh, uh, that they wouldn't have been around, especially within the Jewish community, because that's not an area that they're appreciated right there. So it wouldn't even have gone to that area. But he heard the, the word of the Lord, and he went. And the question is this, is are you available to go where God wants you to go? Are you willing to do that? And are you available to the people around you, maybe even the greater question? Like, if you're a mom or your dad, are you available for your kids? Can they have the time that they need with you? Or are you so busy in life that you don't even have time for your kids? Are you so busy on your phone or, or with social media that you don't have time to make yourself available for your kids? Are you having trouble getting to their events? Well, then you might want to check yourself because you need to be available for them. When it comes to your spouse... Are you available to them? Are they able to take you aside and just for a moment talk to you? And I'll tell you, I've been checked in that in my spirit over and over and over again. Because I know that there are some times when my wife just needs to talk to me. Like she's been around the kids all day. 
And she's like, and she'll say to him, I know you've been around adults. I know you've been talking to them all day. She says, but can I have just a little bit of time? And I'm like, okay. And I should be checked in my spirit on that. Because I need to make sure that I'm available for her. That I can listen to her. That I can pour into her. In your workplace, are you available if somebody has a need? Are you available to stop and listen to what's going on? Because what I want you to understand is those are always opportunities for us to pour into people. And sometimes in our selfishness, we stick to our agenda and our plan. And God says, I'm trying to get in here. I need you to open up some space. And you and I have got to be available to walk in to those moments. Philip was available to do that. And I think some of us, to be honest, are afraid to walk into certain situations. You know, because my wife says, I want to talk to you. I'm like, oh man, what did I do? You know, and like you're thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. You know, or if I get a text that says, we need to talk when you get home. Like I immediately start fasting and praying. You know what I mean? Because who knows what's going on? But we can be scared to walk into some situations. But I love Philip because even though he's going to an area where he may not be accepted, he knows that his buddy Stephen has already been stoned. And am I walking into a trap? I don't know. Am I going to be stoned? And yet he said, but God is still greater than any of this. And if God calls me to go, then I'm going to go and I'm going to be available. And so the question is, are you and I available to what God wants us to do? I also love this from Philip because I think he also had a position of sensitivity. So in verse 27, we read, So he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury. And this would really be Cadence is her name, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And that idea of sensitivity may not mean much to you and I, but you have to understand what a eunuch is, right? A eunuch is, is you know, someone that has had certain parts of their body removed so that they can be in the position they're in. And their basically identity was to be around sort of the queens or the ladies of the court of the king. And the reason why they would have them castrated is basically so they didn't sleep with the the women in the court, and they knew that you could trust you in that position. Well, here's the deal. Some people see this as a big high position because they entrusted it to you, but to have that done to you, there's a little bit of humiliation in that process as well. As a matter of fact, you would know that there were probably the snickers and stuff of people who'd be like, you know what happened to that guy? And there would be a little bit of humiliation in that. It'd be something that most people wouldn't even want to be around or give them the time of day. And it's interesting to me that Philip said, I see this guy, I think this is where God's called me, and I'm going to go and be around him. And I love that because I think the sensitivity in our generation is needed. I remember once um, when my nephew, uh, Bryson, um, when, he, when he had his leg uh, taken off. Hey, Bryson, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know your interview. Um, but I remember like, one of the most difficult things is, is uh, I noticed that in my life when you saw people that were missing something, that you would often look away and not even pay attention. But I remember after that happened, I began to watch and stare more often than I usually did. And it was interesting to me is how many people would say, because we'd go up to them and say, hey, what happened? Could you tell me your story? And they would gently say to us, man, thanks for noticing. 
They said, so many people look away and don't want to hear the story. You know, but because of what we went through, we were more sensitive to some of those issues. And you have to understand that some of the things that you and I go through in life allow us to be more sensitive to other people. With my mom passing this year, when my friend Chad called me up and said, can you go visit my dad? And I see this guy that I thought was very cool and just this great man, when I see him deteriorating, like that's, that's hard to watch. But I went through that with my mom as well. And when Chad finally told me his dad passed, I said, man, I'm praying for you and your family because I know all the first that you're going through because that's what I'm going through right now. And that happened on Mother's Day. And that was my first Mother's Day without my mom. And allowed me to be sensitive to that situation. Today, I was talking to people and said, oh, we made it. We got our kids here. And I have to tell you, I'm sensitive to that. Why? Because I know how hard it is. <laughs> my wife would argue with this. She's like, you don't know how hard it is. I'm the one who had to do it, which is true. But you know how hard it is to get your kids here to church and get them ready? You know, I always show up earlier, so I don't have to worry about that, you know. But I'm sensitive to moms and dads who have to take all that time and energy. That's why some people did. Did you notice the kid crying or the kid goofing around? It? No, I don't notice that at all. Because I'm sensitive to that. I'm just glad you're here. And I think that God has allowed us to go through some situations in life. And maybe he didn't want us to, but we've gone through them. But it allows us to be more sensitive to people who have gone through some of the same things that we have experienced. And Philip was very sensitive to what was going on with this individual. And I love this. So instead of ignoring him, instead of looking away, instead of poking fun, he came near that guy and he showed him that he was valued in that moment. And you and I have the ability to show people their value. Verse 28 goes on to say, and I believe that this is, is, is a place as well, but Philip had a position of presence as well. And so it says, on his way home, he was sitting in the chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and Philip was there listening and being around and was there and he was present. Through some of the most tragic things I've been through, sometimes it's just nice to have people just come up to you and just be there. I think the greatest gift you can give somebody through tragedy is their presence. Some of the most difficult things in my life, I didn't really people need them to say anything. I just needed them to be around. Some of those people that came around me when my mom was dying, listen, I didn't need all the words because I would have judged every word you said. Because <laughs> you're not in the right place sometimes. What I needed is just a hug and them to just be present. Some of the most tragic events I've been through that I don't want to share with you, but there have just been some dark moments in life through family situations. It's just been the people who have just come around and just been present in the moment that didn't ignore me, but that were there for me. And that's a big gift that we can give to people. And I'll tell you this, one of the things that I remember most about my parents was this, them just being present. They came to my games they were at my stuff. Even when the game got carried away and we were losing big time. They came to every football game the one year when I'm not sure we won a game. There was one point in the year when the soccer team had more points than the football team did. They go by ones. All right, we go by sixes. But they still sat there and they were present. Like there's something powerful about being present for people. 
that can make a huge difference in their life. And Philip was present. And in his being present there, he was able to do an amazing work. And then I believe he also had a position of placement. And so it says in verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And what I want you to know, that he was in the right location at the right time. And I want you to know this, because the Ethiopian eunuch, what you need to understand, and by the way, he was always, this is what's crazy, he was identified by this one thing. He wasn't given a name, he was identified by his lot in life. That would be like us picking out the one mistake in your life or the one situation you have going on and calling you by that. Like, that's the way he was referred to. And he was entrusted with great power, but still was referred to in that way. But it's interesting to me that Philip stood near the chariot, and he was in the right place at the right time. Now, listen, you have to understand the bigger picture as well. And some of us will wonder why Jesus came at the time that he did. I want to give you just one more insight about that. Jesus came at the right moment, at the right time in history, that there was more of a common language. So when he shared all the words that he did, it was, be, it was able to be written down where most of the world would be able to understand it. And that's significant because that was recorded and we still have it today. And you and I are able to understand it as well. This Ethiopian eunuch was reading the word because he was a, he was a convert to Judaism. So he had a belief in God. But he didn't know Jesus. And so he was reading this word, and because Philip was in the right place at the right time, Philip was able to hear and then was able to share. Now you have to understand this again, that where you've been placed is probably important. Not probably, let's just say it is important. You may be in your work situation for a time such as this. It's no accident that you are in a church today for such a time as this. It's no accident that with all the things that are going around us socially, that are going around us politically, that God has positioned you in this moment for a time such as this. Like God has placed us to make a difference in the world. You may be a grandparent raising a grandkid. God has chosen you for such a time as this. Like you've been placed here so that you can make a difference where you're at and you're in the specific moment you need to be in. Verse 30, as we go on, and what I realize about this is that Philip had a position of discernment as well. It says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, how can I? he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. I love this because... Philip put himself in a position where he could hear what was going on. And then he said in his discernment, do you understand what you're reading? Now, if the guy would have said, yeah, I don't need your help, get lost. Philip probably would have got lost and moved on to whoever else God had for him at that moment. But there was enough discernment that Philip just asked the question. He, he didn't, and by the way, he didn't go in saying, oh man, I know what this is all about. He didn't come in like with this sort of arrogance at all. He just said, hey, do you know what you're reading? And then it was easy discernment because the guy says, I don't understand this. Can you come and sit with me? Tell me about it. Uh, duh, yeah, let me do that. But I think there are some times when you and I need discernment on how we respond or how we react to people. 
Because there are sometimes people are not ready to hear a word from us. And in that moment, I don't mean to be rude and my mom would get after me, but sometimes you just need to shut up. And you don't need to speak until they're ready to be heard. And that's why the work of the Holy Spirit is so important. Because it's the work of the Holy Spirit that I'll tell you from time to time, take it easy. Let's not speak in yet. But then there are other times that the Holy Spirit will tell you to, yeah, let's speak into some of those situations. But there's an ability of discernment to know when I can speak and when I can't. Because see, sometimes Chuck has tried to speak in his own timing, and I've messed things up majorly. Okay? I mean, any of you that are married, you know that there are certain times you should speak, and there are certain times you should just shut up. Because whatever you say can and will be used against you, right? <laughs> and so we just need enough discernment to know when we should say something when we shouldn't. Again, because presence is valuable. And then I think it's the best way. Hey, do you understand what's going on? No, I wish somebody could tell me. Then I can speak into it. Do you understand where, how God's moving or how God's being? No, can you tell me about it? Let's speak into it. But there are sometimes people just say, I don't want to hear anything at all. Let me just be quiet. Let me just be quiet. And then I believe that God will provide those opportunities over time. And when people shut me down, my first response is not to get upset about it. The old Chuck would have. But the new Chuck says, okay, let me just pray for them. And ask God to open up other opportunities or open up, even this, other voices. My prayer is, by the way, is not just that Dayspring succeeds. My prayer is that all the churches succeed. And that all the churches preach the good news. Because I know this, that Dayspring is not for everybody. But Jesus is for everybody. And the way we hear and respond is different for different people. And that's okay. He listened. And through listening, he was able to discern when to speak. And he spoke. But I love this because we get into this in the other verses. But he had a position of knowledge as well. And so he read the passages and uh, Philip knew the Bible enough because he had the knowledge. He had studied it. He had read it. He had heard the things about Jesus. And he knew that what Isaiah was saying here is what we found in Jesus. And so because of the knowledge that he had, he was able to speak intelligently to it. And I love that because I think that all of us, and this is where you and I need to understand, it's very important that you and I read the Bible and we read it within the context of where we are in life. Because there are certain things that I go through where the Word of God really opens itself to me. Like I always say this, when I do funerals, the one thing I notice that is that people see God differently in that moment. And there's an opportunity to speak truth into them. Not so much in a wedding. All right? Because in a wedding, man, they just want to get in there and get out. All right? But the counseling is where you have a bigger impact in a wedding. Because they know that, like, hey, if you don't do this, I might not marry you. You know, but I will. I mean, I want the money, so I'll do it. You, know, <laughs> you guys are like, really? That was you? No. But, yeah, it's about making sure that you have enough knowledge. And, and I thought about this, too, because, like, when I go to a doctor, I want to make sure they've been through medical school. And when I go in there, there's a trust that I have in them. Why? Because I know that somebody made sure that they read the stuff that they need to, that spent time with them, and went through the procedures with them as well to get them to the place that I trust them. When I go to an accountant, 
I know that there's some things that they've had to go through to get to the position where they are today, and they have a better knowledge than I do. When I go to a lawyer, I understand that they understand the law better than I do because they've studied it, they've been under supervision, somebody made sure they knew what they were talking about. And not that everyone are better than others, but there's a bigger trust than you coming to me with those type of things. But you and I need to understand that that's why it's important that you and I read so that when people come to us with situations in life, we speak out of knowledge. Now listen to this. If you don't know the answer, don't give an answer. Unless the Holy Spirit gives you the word specifically to say, just be quiet for a moment and be honest with them and say this, I don't know, but I'll go find the answer. And then you go find the answer and then you come back to them and give them the answer you know to be true. And you can find that out by reading the word yourself, by going to a pastor or somebody so that you can give great information as well. After all this was said and done, man, it was great because Philip had this knowledge. The eunuch had a knowledge about the Old Testament. And when Philip took what he witnessed with Jesus and he spoke into the word of God, that made a huge difference in that guy's life. And he started believing in Jesus that day. That's powerful. And that's why I want you to know that your witness and your testimony matters. The things that you've been through, they matter. Why? Because you can speak to somebody else who's going through the same thing and say, this is where God interjected himself in my life and this is where he helped me. And they're looking at their past situation saying, wow, if God can make a difference there and that person, then he can make a difference in my life. That's why the testimony that we had this year of Cambrai and his wife, what was so interesting to me, again, is that Easter, over a year ago, we had a guy come in, share his testimony. Cambrai said, if God can make a difference in that guy's life that had been in prison, that had been incarcerated, and I have had the same thing, if Jesus can make a difference in that man's life, then he can make a difference in my life as well. And then Cambrai shared his testimony on Sunday. And there was a guy that was or, or at Easter this year. And there was a guy that was incarcerated with him. And he said, came up to me afterwards and said, if Jesus can make a difference in Cambrai's life, because I was with him in prison, then Jesus can make a difference in my life as well. Is that powerful or what? And so what you need to know is the stuff that you've been through is powerful enough to make a difference in somebody else's life. And you can say, well, my story is very small. There's a lot of people going through a lot of small stuff. But that story can make a big difference and a big impact. I haven't gotten a chance to say something to this person yet. And I will, but um, I was handed uh, something today. And it was in a uh, a chase envelope so I was like well maybe money uh, but it wasn't uh, but it was worth more to me than money and uh, Dylan said somebody had written me a note and wanted me to read it and I have to tell you I get nervous when I get notes uh, because you don't know if they're going to be signed and usually somebody probably going to give you a hard time about something that you said or did and um, I don't know it can just be tough sometimes I opened this letter today and I began to read it. And I wept so much because I didn't feel good about this message today because I hadn't had time to prepare the way I normally do. And I have to tell you, all the years in youth ministry, and I explained some of this last week, there's times that I wondered it, like, did you really make a difference? 
And there was a small event that happened in a lady's life. And I know who it is. And like I said, I'll talk to him later. And you don't need to know that. But there were some tragic things she went through in her years as a teenager. And the note simply said that I came to church when you were a youth pastor. And just heard some of the words you spoke. And she said, I quit going to church and through some of the tragedy and stuff that I've been through and didn't do, go through that. And she said, but, and I don't know if it was a year or two, I can't remember the exact information, but she said she started coming to Dayspring and forgot that that's where she was as a teenager. But she just felt like a peace here. And she said, so I came into this church and I was nervous about what was going to be said or who was speaking and all that stuff. And then she said, the same pastor that I saw as a teenager was now in front speaking. And she said, I felt completely safe. And I listened. And she just wanted me to know that God has made a difference in her life. And the reason I wept about that is because my part was very, very small. I just happened to be there for that person in the right moment in the right time. And I believe that God gave me this letter at the right moment, at the right time to share with you. Because the little things that we do, whether we know it or not, can make a big difference in somebody else's life. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not the work of Chuck. Chuck's not smart enough to do that. God is. So the end of the story ends with this. The man recognizes that he's been changed and he sees water and he says, I need to be baptized. And what baptism is, it's just basically a testimony and it's inclusion as well. And so Philip said to this eunuch who may have not felt like he could be part of anything bigger, said to this man, I'll go down with you in the water and I'll baptize you. And he brought him into the church that day. By the way, because of this man's position, he would have had a big envoy around him as well. And so that day, all those people who had seen the eunuch and the way he lived his life saw the transformation that took place. And so why do I think the church exploded later in Ethiopia? Because one man was available, made himself present, was able to speak into this man's life and he was led to Christ and it made a huge difference in the world around him. The question is for you, what can God do with your position that can just change the world? Would you stand with me this morning? And let's pray together. Father God, man, we're just so thankful to be in your presence at this time in this place. And you know that some of us needed to hear this word this day because there are times that we don't feel very valued. We don't feel like we're making a difference. And the truth is, just us being available and being there probably is enough. But then there are moments in time when you give us the ability to speak and we're in the right situation at the right time so that we can share what somebody needs to hear in that moment. So help us to be available. Help us to open our mouths when you want us to. Help them to keep them closed when we're supposed to. Help us to love and be so grace-oriented that people would know that no matter what they've done, that they can share, that they can be loved, and that they can be forgiven. And help them to know that they have a place to be included into. 
the kingdom of God is much bigger than Dayspring and than any other church around here. And we're not including people into this church, but we're including people into your kingdom where there will be no denominations. We'll just be basking in your presence. So thank you, Father, for meeting with us today. Help us be the hands and feet and help us to go out there and make a difference where you positioned us at this moment. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, I hope you have a great week and go out there and make a difference where you're at. We'll see you again next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.